The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with your host, Ty Maynard. We're the starting point for sales professionals and business owners who want to gain more clients, score higher margins, and not be left behind in sales and business. Now, here's Ty Maynard. Hello, everyone. Hello, and welcome to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I am your host, Ty Maynard. And my goal every week is to assist you in your quest to be the best in sales, business, and life. And as you know, we continue to bring top-shelf guests to help bring you concepts, techniques, tips, ideas to help you grow your business, be more successful in sales, increase customer retention, all of the above. And today our topic is, has selling techniques and concepts really change. And the fact is, there's a, a litany of new books, new blogs, and studies that are released every day on the subject of how to sell in these times of dramatic change. And my guest today, back by popular demand, is Deb Calvert. And she's going to help us sort it out, get refocused on modern techniques and competencies that genuinely do make a difference. And let me just give you a little bit of, of Deb's background. She's the author of Discover Questions book series. She founded People First Productivity Solutions in 2006 to help businesses build organizational strength by putting people first. And her organization's job is to boost company productivity through people development. This work includes sales training, coaching, consulting, leadership program, design and facilitation, strategic planning with senior managers, team effectiveness work, and executive coaching. She has a litany of awards, but I think one of the most exciting uh, awards that, that Deb received recently is she was named a top 50 sales and marketing influencer of 2014. Say what? Hey, Deb. Congratulations and welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks, Ty. Thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate your introduction. You know, we ought to do a, a quid pro quo. I ought to spend a few minutes talking about all of your credentials and the wonderful things you do out in the world of sales, too. Well, no, I appreciate it. I, <laughs> as they say, uh, even swap is no swindle, but I, I appreciate <laughs> that. This is the, uh, the Mutual Admiration Society. Yes, so, it is. So basically, Deb, what we're going to do is the same thing we did last time. We just had a conversation, and we allowed the audience just to listen in. And I promise you, audience, you, you're going to want to have a pen and a pad because, as last time, Deb is going to give uh, phenomenal insight into the, the concepts of selling. You know, so, so, Deb, we're going to jump right into it because uh, this, this hour is going to go by pretty quickly. You know, today, sellers... 
sales professionals, business owners, entrepreneurs are getting bombarded with content. And there seems to be some huge difference of opinion among sales experts in what approach to take in selling these days. What's behind all of this confusion and conflict? Oh, yeah, you're right. We're getting right into it. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's probably three things. The first one is that the world itself has changed, like it or not. We have to deal with the fact that globalization affects every single one of us. Even if our companies aren't global, they are influenced by other companies that are. And the Internet expands anything and everything out into the whole wide world. So we have to have a global mindset. On top of that, the world's changed because there are new realities in the economy, big ups and downs and and people not knowing quite how to calibrate any of what they're doing. So that affects all of our customers, whether it be B2C or B2B. We are all still not quite sure what moves to make and when to make them because the economy is a lot more volatile than it used to be. Then you add on top of that the increasing pace of technology and all of the new technology that's introduced. And for buyers, what that means is the ease of access they have to options, the speed at which they can get their problem solved, and the way they get empowered, which I'll talk about that more in just a minute. But, um, you know, I like the way the Center for Creative Leadership has described the new reality, the new world that we all live in. They call it a VUCA world. It's a made-up word, V-U-C-A. It's an acronym, and it stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And that's what we have to deal with. We, we don't get to, to pick and choose. We are in a VUCA world, and we've got to come to, to grips with it. At the very same time, our buyers are coming to grips with it, too. The difference between buyers and sellers in this uh, scenario, in this changing world, is that the buyers are the ones with, with all the power. They get a whole lot more benefit out of the new technology, the ease of access to options, the speed, uh, the fact that, that they don't feel like they have to be as loyal as they used to be because information is so readily available. And so because of the imbalance, uh, buyers expect more from sellers and they tolerate less from companies they do business with. They, they don't give you much grace or space to make mistakes like they used to. Buyers are, when they're asked about this, they say they'd rather bypass sellers entirely. They want to make their own decisions. They want to do their own research. They'll rely on social media opinions of strangers to give them a, a comparison as they're shopping without a seller in the mix at all. And that all has huge implications. So when, when you say what's behind all that, that confusion out there, well, it's not just the world and the buyers who have changed. Everybody is trying to keep up. So those people you mentioned, the, the, the trainers, the, the researchers, the authors, the sales leaders and organizations, they are all trying to figure it out too and, and decide how to deal with those changes. So... You know, it's not just sales. Let me be fair here. It's, it's, it's true in everything in life. There is no more one-size-fits-all, magic bullet, uh, end-all, be-all solution. It is just confusing. And I think we have to be careful not to go looking for the answer because we have to come to an awareness that 
there are many potential answers, and we have to do some work to figure out which one is right for us. And you know, I was listening to the the VUCA, the the volatility, the uncertainty, the complexity, and the ambiguity. Uh, do these things? Is this? Have you noticed it's kind of like a cycle with this, or is it really a new world, or is it just a new world recycled? I guess that's my that's what I'm thinking here. I think that both are true. I think it's a new world, and I think it's going to be the reality for unless there's something else that dramatic that changes, I, I think for the duration of our lifetimes and perhaps one or two generations behind us, there's going to be a time of very, very rapid change. History will look back on it like, like we look back on the Renaissance and talk about how much was happening during this dynamic time. And it's all positive, but in the midst of it, it, it can be tough to, to handle at times. So, yes, I think cyclical, but in our own life, perhaps that cycling isn't so rapid that, that we're going to get back to a point, I don't think, where things are very stable and predictable the way they were even 20 years ago. Okay. Let's, let's, let's run down some of the most popular stuff that's, that's going on out there. Uh, we, we have agile selling. We have the challenger selling model, we have relationship selling, <laughs> we have collaborative selling, we have solution selling, we have strategic selling, we have spin selling, we have baseline selling, trust-based selling, zero-time selling, value-added selling, high-profit selling, consultative selling, insight selling, and a whole lot more. So how is a sales professional supposed to wade through all of that and figure out what really works. Yeah, not only all of that, right, but you, that was a pretty good list you had there, and yet there are so many more. Pick an adjective. Almost anything that you can put as, in front of the word selling, somebody's talking about it like that. So it is. It's, it's really confusing to try to make sense out of all of it. And this is what I was talking about just a moment ago. If you look at any one of those and you say, aha, that's the solution, you're probably going to have just as many problems that come with that narrow solution uh, as you did before. So situationally, I think it's really more about determining for you what's right for you in your situation. Um, I guess the, the high-level answer here would be for those sellers who already knew the name of everything that you just ticked off, thumbs up, because not many people do. But what that would say is that those are folks who are continually opening themselves up to new learning, and, and they're looking for the ideas, and they're um, not settling on one and, and putting that stake in the ground and expecting that to, to do everything for them. So sellers who are going to continue to thrive and succeed in times of change are ones that are going to stay plugged in and they're going to pay attention to what's new. That's just smart strategy anymore. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the other thing about that list you read off, I, I, I do know all or at least most of those, and there is merit in every single one of those works. I, I know many of those researchers and, and authors personally, and I endorse the work that they do. So this isn't about picking a right or a wrong, right? This is about picking what's right for you in a given situation 
and having enough different choices in your tool belt that you can access different approaches as the situation warrants it. I think that's really important. And, and Ty, if I could say one more thing about that list. One of the other problems that happens is that there's sometimes a lot of exuberance. So a new piece of research comes out. It gets written up in, let's say, Harvard Business Review. And those experts and their followers can sometimes forget that what they studied isn't going to cross every sector and, and be suitable in every situation. So they, they make these perhaps broad or overreaching claims that, that can mislead salespeople. So as a savvy seller, you've got to be discerning. You have to know, well, okay, well, that body of work says relationship selling is no good anymore. But you shouldn't take that as a wholesale truth. That might be true for the people saying that in the scenarios that they evaluated and in the research they did. But in your job, in your territory, in your base of customers, maybe relationship selling absolutely is still the right thing to do. doesn't mean you can't enhance it and, and know what else is out there and, and keep trying new things, but there is no one single magic bullet, and, and that's the first thing I would say to people so they don't get confused. You uh, made a, a bunch of great points, and... It's time for us to go to break shortly, but one of the key things I think you made was it makes sense to be a student of your profession. Mm-hmm. You, you have to continue to grow in your profession because the moment you stop growing, that's when you start dying. And, and my mindset has always been, I don't care what book it, I read or what workshop I go to, if I gain one new idea, one good idea I can implement uh, and get results from, it was worth it all. So, yeah, so that's the other thing. And uh, you're right, I see where quite a few companies, and we'll talk about when when we come back from this, they jump on the latest, greatest bandwagon and, and they flush everything that they learned two weeks earlier down the toilet. And they, they have this flavor of the month. <laughs> this is the new way. And then they'll embrace that for a month or so, or two, well, let's say a couple of years. And oh, now this is the new way. So when we come back, I want to kind of to, to dig in that to that a little bit also. Uh, let's continue to talk about all of these different selling styles and, and being able to adapt. But it's time for our first break. You're listening to Forget Patience. Let's sell something. I'm your host. Ty Maynard, and my guest today is Deb Calvert, and we the topic is, has selling techniques and concepts really changed? Stay tuned. We'll talk to you on the other side of the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. It's a sad fact that fraud is rampant in today's business environment. The headlines scream about once prestigious organizations falling victim to or crumbling due to the consequences of fraud. How do you keep fraud from affecting you and your business? Tune in to Fraud Talk with host Chris Marquet. Chris has over 30 years of fraud investigation experience, business intelligence, and is a renowned security consultant. Chris and his guests will inform you and help keep you from being the next statistic of fraud. Tune in Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Engage with Andy Bush takes you inside the mind of a top global market and public policy analyst who has been featured regularly on CNBC, Yahoo Finance, and numerous radio and television programs. Our program will bring you guests and stories from the top of the political and business worlds. Each show includes Andy's point of view roundup and what it means for you at home. Life's complicated. Let Andy help you figure it out. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Ty Maynard or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at TyMaynerGroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R Group.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, Ty Maynard. My guest today is Deb Calvert. And the topic is, has selling techniques and concepts really, really changed? And, you know, uh, Deb, before the break, I ran off a litany of different uh, selling concepts. Uh, and we were just talking about those, and we're gonna we're gonna come back to those. But I want to circle back for a second. Uh, when you when we first started talking, you mentioned that buyers have changed and the economy has changed. So, what are your thoughts about whether or not selling has really changed? Oh well, I think that sellers and sales organizations uh, are lagging behind. And I understand why. You know, sales is, is not easy, and sales training has never been as formalized, and colleges don't give out sales degrees, so there aren't the typical avenues for people to go down and, and keep up with change like there would be in a lot of other uh, professions. But this is a big deal. I mean, I, I still hear people saying, maybe you do too, Ty, I hear people saying things like, oh, it'll go back to normal once the economy turns around, or they say things like, oh, yeah, my buyers, you know, they'll be back just as soon as they realize what they're missing. <laughs> so there's a denial. And I liken it to us being ostriches putting our heads in the sand. We don't want to see the changes. We don't want to respond to them. But we have to. We're missing out, and the world is, is going by us. So, Ty, I, really, I actually hope that this show will be a wake-up call for listeners because as sellers, we have to change. Now, we can't do what you said right before the break. You were talking about you can't pick up something new every two weeks and, and react uh, in a way that is going to keep your head spinning. This isn't about being reactionary. It is about being deliberate 
and focused and, and smart because the truth is that those things in the world I talked about, they've all changed and they've changed forever and they're not going to go back to the way they used to be. And we have to change. So how about I give you an example of, of something? Okay. I, I see this so often. Um, you've probably seen the same research from the corporate executive board and elsewhere. Modern buyers, and this includes us when we are buying too, what we do as buyers is we get about 67% of the way through our own buying process before we even agree to take a meeting with a person who's going to sell us something. So that means our awareness is already there, our interest, our desire. We've done the research. We've compared. We've read reviews. We've gotten 67% of the way. If 100% represents the, the moment when I make the purchase, we are more than halfway there. And in that whole time, that whole 67% of the work that I'm doing, I am avoiding sellers like the plague. I want to do this on my own. So that's the reality. That's where buyers are. But see, mm. sellers, uh, we're, we're stubborn when we're selling, right? We keep opening up sales with generic pitches and introductions that are way out of sync with where our buyers are. What we're trying to introduce them to something they already know about. We can't, we, we can't continue to be walking brochures like that because buyers don't want that. They don't need it. They, they don't want us to be in that information stage where we're trying to gather information with those fundamental canned questions that sound more like surveys. They want something different from us. By the time they agree to meet with us, they already have that, that awareness, interest, and some level of desire. So that's where we've got to intersect, and we have to be there immediately so that we can magnify the value and differentiate ourselves. And to do that, it, those are higher-level skills that a whole lot of sellers don't have and most sellers don't even realize they need. I agree with you. And, you know, you said that they already have an awareness before they meet with us. So I think it, it, it behooves us to have done our homework as well on that organization, on the individuals we'll be meeting with. And one of the things that I think some of the top uh, sales professionals are, are skillful at doing, and it's even taught in some of the selling concepts that we mentioned, is, is identify a coach. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. have someone who has insight into the organization or the individuals that you'll be meeting with. They don't really have a vested interest in helping you. It's not going to be monetary, but for whatever reason, they want you to be successful. And I found that coaches have have uh, made my success uh grow exponentially. What are your thoughts on that? I couldn't agree more. Um, You might read about it as being your internal advocate or an influencer. It doesn't have to be the decision maker. Lots of sellers spend so much time chasing who they perceive to be the decision maker that they ignore the opportunities to be gathering great information and developing connections that really will help them make the sale. You can't do it one-on-one because... One of those other big changes that, that affects us is at the C-level, people in those jobs, let's say that's who you're selling to, people in those jobs, they don't have as much freedom and autonomy in decision-making as they used to. And there's an awareness that leadership is much more inclusive than the way people led a decade ago. So those people that you're bypassing, oh, they are, they're, they're incredible resources to help you even as you finally do get to the decision maker. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, along with what you said, I was working with a company where I was at the actual top person. Uh, but basically, he was not going to make the decision. He said, because if I make the decision uh, and, 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 I, and I supersede my, my people who I've given the ability to make decisions, then uh, they're not going to be happy with the promotion or the program, and it may not be as successful as if they make the decision, but I coach you on how to work with them, <laughs> you know? That's a smart leader. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and the other thing that you just mentioned, which is, is critical and, and very important, uh, you say we have to change. And I don't care if it's a, a business, a school system, a church, it doesn't matter. One thing that's common and constant is change. And I, I try to picture change as a big old, like a big ball. And you know how you've seen people uh, that's on top of the ball, and as the, the ball is continually moving, so in order for us to keep from falling, we have to move with that ball because the ball's not going to stop. At any given time, we plan our feet and we make the decision, I'm not moving anymore. We're going to land on our head. And I think it's the exact same way with change. So whether you like to read, uh, whether you like to study, it's not an option today if you want to continue to have a certain level of success or even expand your success. You are so right. We get complacent. I I won't use the word lazy because I don't think that's accurate. People in sales typically are not lazy. But we do get complacent. And it's, it's human nature to want to avoid change anyway. It's a state called homeostasis where we even positive change is something we, we might avoid. Uh, but it's not a choice anymore. Uh, you, you, if you're not changing and growing, you're going to get left behind. And I know, Ty, that's the very thing that you get on here every week and talk about is keep up. I don't want to leave anybody behind. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, so... We got a few minutes before our, our next break, so we can kind of at least tee this up and finish it on the other side of the break. So let's, let's talk about this. So instead of focusing on certain prescribed approaches, I think what we're both kind of saying is that sellers need to focus instead on core skills. So what, are, what would you say are core skills that would be found in just about any of the prescribed approaches that we mentioned earlier? Well, let's see. Before the break, how about, I think there are probably at least five. Uh, let me start with this one because it is really relevant to what you already said about building those relationships with multiple people inside an organization. I'll put a little bit broader term on it, which is I think that one of the very most important skills that today's sellers need is the ability to be customer-focused. I actually think that that is the new differentiator and it is where you immediately, like from the very first conversation, it's how you're going to be able to find your way through the organization and where you're going to get your competitive advantage. So that customer focus, it doesn't mean just that I'm going to meet your needs. It's not some phrase or some uh, formula. It's not, you know, consultative selling all by itself. It, it's about now one-on-one Human to human, whoever it is I'm talking to in the organization, that person has unique needs and values, and I've got to tap into those. And if I'm talking to 10 people in the same organization, 
I've got to be one-on-one enough to enlist. If I want to enlist their help, I've got to be tapping into what they individually value and and what their own needs are. So, wow, I mean, that sounds like such a tall order, but what it involves is being able to build that rapport up quickly, uh, being able to demonstrate that you are trustworthy very early on, making sure... And this is a big one because there's so many old school sales techniques out there that people still use, but making sure that your actions are not coming across as self-serving or manipulative or, or salesy uh, because none of that seems customer-focused and it's, it's an automatic shutdown. I, I interview a lot of buyers and that is like the number one thing. If the seller seems self-focused, forget it. They're out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. That's good stuff. Um, and, you know, you made a great point, and it's, it's, it's about time for us to go to break. Uh, but one of the points I just heard you make was, one, the, the actual company can be XYZ company, but inside XYZ company, which is a prospect or a potential, potential customer, you could have 10 different customers inside XYZ company. Uh, so the CEO can be a customer, and you have to understand from his perspective what's important. And if he sends you to the chief technology officer, you have to understand from that person's perspective what's important to them and their department. He sends you to procurement. So uh, what I heard you saying, and we'll talk about this in greater detail, within a company you have multiple customers, and you have to deal with each one of them based on what's important to them in their arena. Did I just net that out? Did I get that right? You got that exactly right. Excellent, excellent. Okay, Deb, you know what hour this is, right? This is the fastest hour of the week. So we're getting ready to take our second break. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, Ty Maynard. My guest today is Deb Calvert, and we'll talk to you on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more, not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. With co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless, Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
listening to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Ty Maynard or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at TyMaynerGroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R Group.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patients, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, Ty Maynard, and my guest today is Deb Calvert. And we're talking about the selling techniques and concepts today. Have they really changed? What really does work? And, you know, Deb, before the break, we were talking about, although you may have one company, XYZ company, uh, and there may be eight, ten people, five people that you have to work with inside that company, each one is a customer. And I thought about an example of, of something where uh, there was a salesperson who met with the CEO of a company and based on what the CEO said, because of course this is the CEO and I'm, I'm doing open and close quotes right now with my hands. This is the CEO. This is the president. So when the president referred them to the chief technology officer or the procurement officer, they, they met with that person and just said, basically, well, let me tell you what we need to talk about because the CEO said this is important to the company. And then that person just said, well, you know, I'm glad you met with the CEO, but guess what? CEO doesn't know diddly about technology. This is my bailiwick. You know, I'm on the ground with the troops handling this, so let me tell you what's important. And the person got their feelings hurt. So what are your thoughts about that? Making the assumption you know what somebody what's going to be important to the next person based on what the person you just met with told you? Well, I think it's rude, first of all. None of us would like it. It'd be no different than me saying to you, I talked to your wife and I know what she wants, so you better want it too. Um, It's a little um, bit of a power play uh, because you went to the the authority figure first, but it's insensitive and it's it's just not going to serve you well, not only because you might it might be something that people feel is off-putting, but also because if you want to truly tap into value, and you need to do that, um, if you don't know what somebody's paid to do, if you don't know what they're pressured to do by their boss or by their customers, if you don't know what they're getting reviewed on, uh, if you don't know what, what is going to cause them the stress and the pain if it doesn't happen, you're off the mark. And yes, CEOs, of course, everybody has to align with them in some way. But their job is to think way out into the future, and most other people's jobs are to think a little bit more about the here and now. So just that fundamental difference alone is going to cause you to uh, be misaligned with with what you need to to bring into the conversation to, to sell that particular person. Excellent, excellent, excellent. You know, we were talking about core skills, and you were talking about one uh, the ability to be customer focused. Uh, what are some other core skills that? Uh, uh, will be found in just about any of the prescribed selling uh, skill sets we were talking about. I, I think what we were just talking about is also a universal truth. Right now in selling, you have to be able to create value. And since value is so personal, you and I, Ty, we do work that's very similar, but I guarantee that what you value is different in some ways than what I value. And if I were to, if someone were to come and talk to both of us and give us a generic pitch, or just because it worked on Ty, they assumed it would also work on Deb, 
uh, we'd be insulted and we would be tuned out. So we've <laughs> got to get to that individual level, and when we get there, we also have to create value out of thin air. I'm talking about not the value of your product, not the added value stuff your company is going to put in there with the package, but I'm talking about human to human, the value that you create because you make me think or because you bring something new to the conversation, because you have the business acumen to understand what my job's all about, or because you um, have a general understanding of business and you either ask me some questions or you bring me some research or something that, that causes there to be new insight that, that comes into my focus. Um, all of those things are really, really important, and just about any one of the, the schools of thought out there about selling today would absolutely agree that you have to go above and beyond. You have to create value. Yep. You know, because I, I, I have a statement. I say people no longer buy from you because of what you sell. They now buy from you because of what you know and what added value you bring. And if you bring no added value, their thought is, well, what good are you? Yes. Because remember, they want to do all of this without a seller anyway. So you've got that barrier to overcome. And then you have to be able to prove your you individually are valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are some resources for people who want to work on these skills? Well, um, for those two particular resources, and I, I think, you know, on top of those, we'd have to talk about differentiating yourself from other sellers, um, generating demand, because we've got to also build that awareness and interest for people who didn't start going down that path yet, um, and being collaborative, open to learning. So we've kind of touched on all of those, but I'll sum them up there. Okay. Um, so resources. Um, well, I'll... I'll go ahead and, and do a shameless self-promotion. Um, the book I wrote called Discover Questions, Get You Connected, uh, it, was, it was developed as a platform to elevate any sales process or approach, and it specifically addresses these core skills that we've talked about, and it's aligned uh, with the demands of modern buyers, uh, partly because it's founded in the research with buyers that we did. So that's a book. It's also a full training course, a workshop for sales professionals, um, I, if we're talking books, I'd also recommend one that's written by Linda Richardson. It's uh, called Changing the Sales Conversation. It's spot on. Uh, it, it's current. It's considerate of how buyers and the marketplace have changed. And then let me give a little bit broader answer to this question as well. So in terms of resources, um, I think that sellers who want to stay current in a VUCA world, a world that's changing Every day, I think that it's smart to follow a variety of sales experts and, and not to expect any one person to have all the answers. So find those resources where there are gatherings of different points of view and dive deep and, and sample lots of, it's like a buffet. Top Sales World, for example, would be one place where there's new content every single weekday and you get sales bloggers and authors and researchers and podcasters all housed in one place, but you know, be, get an assortment of different voices into the mix so that you don't get narrowly focused on something that, that could expire or may not work in a certain situation. You know, uh, talk about, you mentioned being collaborative. Expand on that a little bit more. I just want to make sure everybody's clear on what that looks like. Okay. Um, buyers 
no longer want someone to shove a solution down their throat. Even if your solution really, truly, actually is the very best one that will completely meet their needs, this funny thing has happened. And if you think about when you're a buyer, you're doing this too. We push back against sales that that we feel are coming on too strong. Uh What we're wanting instead is to be a part of co-creating that solution. We want to be heard. We want to have a voice in shaping it. We want to be understood. So if you're doing a, a creating a solution in a vacuum without involving the buyer or if you're pitching your generic solution, if you're not learning and, and, and cross-applying what you've learned about the buyer, then you do fall behind. In order to not let yourself get behind, you've got to be able to collaborate and, and mainly with the buyer to create that solution together. But also, as you said earlier, Ty, in your example, you've got to collaborate with multiple people inside an organization to enlist those coaches it's probably smart business to collaborate inside your own organization because everybody there is experiencing the VUCA world too and all that volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity has made their jobs harder too. Um, so if you're not collaborative, if you've always thought of yourself as the lone wolf or the know-it-all or any other type of personality who operates very, very independently, I think you're going to find that there's a price to pay for that. Uh, it's, it will not serve you as well as opening up and collaborating with others well. You know, it's interesting because I think some sales professionals, some business owners are afraid of talking to too many people because they think the more people I talk to, the broader my solution is going to have to be, and that minimizes my opportunity for making the sale. But in reality, the less you know about the complete needs of the organization, that minimizes your opportunity for getting a sale. And I think sometimes by getting a bit more information, we may realize it's not a good fit, <laughs> you know? Sometimes. Which, but you yeah. know what else? More often than not, expanding the conversation means you get a bigger sale. Uh, yeah. Tons of negotiating research, starting with the work that Fisher, Urey, and, and Patton did on uh, getting to yes, Lots of research about negotiating says if you have a collaborative negotiation, what you're doing is you are increasing the scope of what you're talking about, and both parties will end up more satisfied and with more outcome that serves them well than they did if they stayed focused on a narrow position. So once again, this thing called fear is wasted energy. Yes. Because because the majority of things that we fear don't that don't happen. So you basically were saying, you know, we were fearful if we brought more people and got more people involved, we wouldn't get the sale. But you're saying, in reality, if we get more people involved, the sale or the possibility of the sale is more imminent. Let me give you a, a little diagram. I'll, I'll try to be quick with the break coming up. But if you could imagine two diagrams, one of them is shaped like a butterfly. So two triangles and the narrow points of the triangles touch each other in the middle. That's a butterfly Mm -hmm. relationship in selling. It's fragile. There's only one touch point, you and your one single buyer. Butterflies are fragile. They break easily. But if you were to turn those triangles inside out, so now it is the, the longest side of the triangle touching each other in the middle, those two triangles, that would represent lots of people in your organization and lots of people in your buyer organization talking to each other. And that's a diamond. 
and a diamond is strong, and the relationship that you have with your buyer is stronger, the more people that you talk to in their organization and in your own. Wow. Okay, now, Deb, you, you know I'm going to use that, right? You do I know that. You and, okay, and hopefully it's not patented because I will give you credit like everyone else the first three times I use it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Okay, why it's time for our last break, Deb. So, hey, listen, you're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, Ty Maynard. My guest is Deb Calvert. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick and mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24 7. It's in the home, it's on the go, it's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. If you want to reach Ty Maynard or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can send an email to Ty at TyMaynerGroup.com. That's T-Y-E at T-Y-E-M-A-N-E-R Group.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. I'm your host, Ty Maynard, and my guest is Deb Calvert. Deb, I got, you know, we have a few more minutes, so I just want to ask you a couple more questions. You know, we've talked about um, several key core skills that can help people be successful. We talked about, you know, the ability to be customer focused. We talked about uh, make sure you're providing value. We talked about being collaborative. What difference will it make if a sales professional develops these skills? Well, let me be really direct here because this is simple. These core skills, and this is research-based and this is absolute, having those skills or not is the difference between making the sale or losing it to someone else. 
and sellers who develop those skills advance the sale faster, have higher closing rates, and end up with buyers who say things like, that is the one seller that I actually want to talk to. So I guess the the short answer is if you want to be successful today and relevant tomorrow, you have to have these skills. You have to catch up and keep up on these skills. Wow, that was that was very concise, succinct, and all those other easy to digest. It was all of those things. Deb. Uh, you know, we have a few more minutes. Any other advice about how to sort out the clutter and stay focused on what actually drives sales today? Yeah, you know, um, we didn't quite have a chance. It wasn't part of the, the scope of this show to talk about those other kinds of clutter that sellers experience. I mean, it, it's hard work to be in sales because there's so much that you have to sift through. Right? You have sales enablement tools that may actually disable you. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Uh, there's just stuff, lots of clutter. So how about I just make a, a blanket statement, and that would be keep your eyes on the prize. Making the sale is the ultimate goal. If every seller just figures out how to do that and develops these core skills and remembers that that the purpose of these skills is to make the sale, everything else, everything else is supposed to be in service of achieving that goal, make the sale. So you don't want to be distracted by tasks and, and by trends and shiny new objects. You've got to ask yourself all day long, have a discipline of asking yourself, is what I'm doing right now advancing my sale or taking me away from advancing my sale? And, and if you have that discipline and you fit it in with the skills that we've been talking about, you will advance the sale. You will be not only keeping up and catching up, uh, you'll get ahead of the pack and you will absolutely be long-term successful and big-time successful in selling. Wow, that's good stuff. You know, because a lot of times I experience people who they get confused and they think the focus is to get people to like them. They, the focus is to get that person to feel like you're a friend. And I I found when they focus on getting people to like them, I, I tell them, I say, I don't care if they like you. I, I rather they respect you. And the focus should be on you creating a customer, not a friend. Because you can create a friend and never have them as a customer. But if you focus on creating a customer, ultimately really good friendships develop from that. It's true. We've got to start thinking of ourselves as professionals. We are not professional friends. We are professional salespeople, and that's noble. And, and when we go out and we pick doctors or attorneys or any other professional, we do it because of their expertise and their ability to get the job done. And we ought to have just as high a standard for why people are going to pick to do business with us. Excellent. Excellent point. Well, Deb, I I just love having you on the show and just know uh, there's always an open invitation. And we will find another opportunity to get back together because it's just a great conversation. and, And the audience just gets to listen to us hash out our thoughts and concepts and and i i hear from them that is very beneficial so i want them to be able to contact you i know you have products you have services so tell tell the audience how they can get in touch with you how they can acquire your products and whatnot 
Thanks, Ty. Last time I was on your show, I had a bunch of people who linked in with me. I love that. So anything, any way at all that we can connect. Um, on social media, my handle is PS. That's because my company name is People First Productivity Solutions. So People First spelled out PS just like you put at the end of an old school letter. That's also my website, peoplefirstps.com. On my website, I hope people will check out the Connect to Sell blog. Um, I hope that for those who are in management, I'll also look at the Connect to Lead blog. And maybe some people would like to get a copy of the book that I mentioned. My book is Discover Questions, Get You Connected. Uh, On my website, if you want to take a look at it there, under the Store tab, if you drop down and pick books, I'll put a little link in there, Ty, so people can get an autographed copy, and I'll discount the price. Just pick the listener special. Wow, excellent. the e-book, if you prefer it that way, uh, or the paperback, it's on Amazon. Excellent, excellent. Well, Deb, thanks again very much for for being on the show and always bringing insight, and I always glean a lot from you. I I took a a good page of notes, and as I mentioned, I will give you credit. (laughs) (laughs) the first few times I use them. And and audience, continue to to listen and tell others about the show. If there are people that you know who are looking to hone their skills, perfect the craft, are looking to grow uh, their sales organizations to uh, hit their quotas, they ought to be listening to this show because I'm going to continue to have guests like Deb and have Deb back. And our goal is to help you get better at what you do. So please continue to listen in, and we will talk to you again. But in the meantime, in the meantime, forget patience. Let's sell something. Talk to you soon. Thanks again for tuning in to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something. Ty Maynard will be back next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We look forward to you joining us then. In the meantime, forget patience, let's sell something.